everybody, it's Janine O'Neill of J.O. Social Branding, and this is the Socialized Podcast, and today we have Amy Schmidt-Tower of Savvy Sexy Social. Amy makes videos after following the safe path and securing a position in the corporate world that could have been her life forever, she discovered her passion for video creation. A YouTube channel building communities and social media communications quickly came into focus and took over as her passion. Now, after Plan A to build a life and career on her own terms, Amy hosts Savvy Sexy Social, a YouTube series dedicated to helping you go after the life you want. This proactive lifestyle channel has amassed a community from over 179 countries, contributing to more than 3 million views. A popular channel in the business and marketing spaces since its inception in March 2011, its content has caught the eye of prestigious publications such as Inc., Business Insider, Columbus CEO, Mashable, TechCrunch, and many more. Along the way, Amy became an authority in digital marketing consulting and co-founded Aftermark, a video content marketing agency. After seven years of execution, consulting, and continuing to share her life and advice via YouTube, Amy is the author of the book, Blog Like a Boss, How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging, which was launched January 31st, 2017. Welcome, Amy. Hi, Janine. Thanks for having me. Wow, you read all that stuff. That's so much. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) I know. Well, you have a lot to share, and you are totally killing it. I met Amy at the Agents of Change Conference up in Portland, Maine, which is hosted by Rich Brooks of Lightning Media. That was back, was that September? September? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it seems like it was yesterday, but it's been a little bit. Yeah. So I attended her presentation, and I was like, you know what, I know video marketing, I know blogging, but I'm just going to go and hear what she has to say, and I was so impressed, and I said it to her, and hopefully none of the other uh, speakers are listening, but I said, you were my favorite, like you were so engaging, so interactive, you know your audience, you know the topic, I really walked away with like so many ideas and just invigorated. Thank you. I won't tell anyone, don't worry. (laughs) All <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is though at the after party we were talking and Amy shared that she's got this book coming out. And I said, hey, why don't you come on the podcast and we can um, we can talk about it. So I am so excited to help you share this exciting news of this book. And um, but why don't we first get into like blogging and what it is and how people can use it for their business. So the first question I have for you is what is blogging? Absolutely. I I love talking about this because I thought, am I going to be so bold as to use the word vlog in the title of my book? And I Mm -hmm. want to because it's suddenly becoming a little bit more mainstream. People are starting to understand what it is. It's finally kind of up there in the rankings with the word blog, which of course took a long time for people to get on board with. The situation with vlogging is this. With video blogging, you are video blogging. A blog is something where you share valuable information. It doesn't matter if it's funny or insightful or a tutorial. It's valuable information. And vlogging is simply adding a video element to that, making it a video format or adding video to sort of the whole uh, equation of the thing. If you're making a piece of video content that is valuable for someone else and is not a commercial or uh, an introduction to who your company is, you are making a vlog, essentially. You're simply advising somebody of something that you know that they should also know in video form. That is really what a vlog is. That's my interpretation of it. It's really interesting the conversation we can have about it today because I think the word vlog is starting to surface more in areas where somebody might might not have thought about it or, or heard of it because they're not in business or they're not in online content creation, but because a typical vlogger in the YouTube sense is someone usually described as 
letting you into their life and showing them sort of like what the day-to-day, -day, hey guys, here's what I'm up to today, you know, here's my dog, here's what I had for breakfast, very much sort of this is my life. So it's sort of been the quick word for that type of video, but in my mm -hmm. personal opinion, a vlog is exactly what it says it is, a video blog. And if a blog is a piece of valuable information, then a video blog is just an enhanced multimedia version of that. Awesome, such a great definition. Now, who is doing vlogging? Is it is there specific industries or specific professionals that gravitate towards it, or is it more universal and you're seeing more and more people using vlogging? I would definitely not say that industries are gravitating toward vlogging. I think it's still something that they're trying to grapple with more than anything. Mm -hmm. But I would say that a lot of people that are doing it are the ones that see the opportunity in making a personal connection. That can be one person that's lonely and wants to start a presence on the internet because they don't have a lot of friends. That's how a lot of people got their start on YouTube in 2005 and 2006. So I don't knock mm -hmm. that mindset at all. But there are also people that understand that if you want to make an impact on somebody who doesn't know Know who you are yet, but you want to do that in a powerful way, you need to make a personal connection with them. So those people, whether they be a brand, personal, or a business brand, they see the opportunity in sharing valuable information through video and therefore they're vlogging. I mean, there's really every walk of life is doing this now. In 2017, we're seeing video in a completely new way and it's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, Social media has completely just transformed the way that we operate and businesses and organizations communicate to their audience. And there's so many ways now. I mean, you can have a Facebook page, you can have a Twitter account, you can have an Instagram account, you could be doing live um, stories and live video. And video is the way that you're going to rise above the, the, all of that. You know, there's mm -hmm. so much noise. And being able to see somebody speak to me, whether it's live or if it's recorded, it just adds another level of authority. And I think businesses and organizations are, like you said, they're starting to get it. They're maybe might be intimidated by it because it is scary to like hit record and then sit there and talk to a camera. But it's the way that you're going to be seen above the rest. It's the way that your people can connect with you. And especially when there's you have competitors in this space, like if your competitors aren't doing it and you're doing it, now when people think of your industry or your product, your service, they're going to be like, hey, you know what? She was talking to me or he was talking to me, even if it was a recording. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so huge. People don't think enough of that very statement you just said. Is mm -hmm. That's the best part of the video blog is making something that when you niche down and you really focus on what your goal is here and who you're talking to, it feels like you made that for one person. And that's how you really make special impact. I actually talk in my book about the first video I ever made and it was for the, the bride of a wedding that I was in. I made a video for her, just for her, but I played it in a room full of people that even though that video wasn't made for them, they felt that emotional impact on it. So it's so important to think about sort of like that analogy. You make a video for one person because because when you do that and you do it really well, you help so many more people in the process. And that's where personal connection is no longer a buzzword, but an actual real thing. Yes. I remember I was watching a few of your videos before the interview and you said like think of the camera as a person that you're talking mm. to. It's not yes. an electronic device. It's that target market, that person that you're trying to reach out and connect to and whether it's building a relationship or trying to solve their problems, but that helps alleviate a lot of the, the fear that people have when it comes to talking on video. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, ideally, because mm -hmm. you really have to get into that headspace. Because if you're mm -hmm. not, you're still going to have those fears really up. You're talking to a freaking piece of device, camera, equipment, lens. It's very intimidating. But mm -hmm. it's so much less intimidating if you focus on one person. It's again intimidating if you think about there being too many people. You know, so you go mm -hmm. from it being, I'm in a room talking to myself, to oh, when I upload this video, maybe hundreds of thousands of people might watch it. That's two very different things. Those are both very mm -hmm. overwhelming. But when you refocus mm -hmm. your attention on, this is not a camera, this is one person I'm sitting down and having coffee with, that's the mm -hmm. sweet spot. And you go there. And you look into that lens as if it's those person's eyeballs. And you say, oh my gosh, you need to know this. And you go into it. And that's mm -hmm. where personal connection is. And you do that so well on your YouTube channel. I just sit there and I like watching and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's talking directly to me. And you have this amazing personality that comes through as well. Thank you. Thank you. You're I'm, I've been working on it. And now I want to share that with everybody. <laughs> well, it's hard. Like when Facebook Live first came out and I was like, I'm going to do it. It's like rip the Band-Aid off and just do it. It was scary. I was like, oh my gosh, nobody's on. I'm talking to essentially nobody, you know, this camera, this device. How am I going to connect? And after like the second or third time, I was like, oh, okay, you know what? Now I get it. Now I get the rhythm of it. Right. So what advantages do people find when they start blogging? Well, first and foremost, you're taking the, the and I hate to say personal connection again, but let's take it from the other side. If you're not on video, if there's not a person on video, what are the other options here? You can send a tweet and then maybe you have an avatar photo or something that's showing up, right? And so there's a little bit of a connection there because you can see the person. When you blog, it's words on a screen. You, you probably know who it is. It's very different than when you are fully enveloped in a conversation with somebody, and that's what can happen with video. So I think it's a more immersive environment, and that's a huge benefit right away. If you can get somebody pulled in enough to either press play on your video or see it in a, in a social feed and stop to tune in, you've got them in a very different way than you would in any other format. So there's tremendous advantage to that, especially when it takes calling action, because if you want to inflict emotion upon somebody in order for them to take an action, which is what it takes to get somebody to do something, even mm -hmm. a like has to be an emotional reaction from someone mm -hmm. to go so far as to do that, to engage your content, to like it, to share it, to comment on it. For somebody to take the time out of their day to comment on something, even if it's a negative comment, they still felt an emotional pull to do that. And quite frankly, it's easier to do that with video because you automatically have brought vulnerability to the forefront that you're standing there and you're talking and you're opening up that conversation. It's very different, in my opinion, than hiding behind text. I don't think you can totally hide behind text. I don't want to knock writing or author or blogger or any of that, but it mm -hmm. is very, very different, which is why so many people drag their feet on video. It's much easier mm -hmm. to sit down and grapple with a blank page and, and type and type and type than it is to not only have to wrap your mind around how good is the content, but can I deliver it from my mouth and not be completely overwhelmed by watching myself back, editing it, and then get, taking it live. 
I'd love to actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I would love to see the percentage of times somebody scraps a blog post versus scraps a video. Because I think someone is much more likely to hit the publish button on a blog post because they're willing to take the chance that it's not perfect, but they right. will learn from it. They will learn from that. They will at least get it out there and hopefully one or two people will read it versus a video where if that video is just not something that they inside of them are accepting of, they probably won't publish it most of the time, even if they, when they do, only one or two people are watching it, which is where a lot of people have to get their start. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, like you said, you're very vulnerable when you do video because people are seeing you, they're hearing you. And I did this just last week where I did a live video, and when I played it back, I didn't like it, and I sat there and I was like, do I let it sit? Do I delete it? Do I let it sit? Do I delete it? And I ended up deleting it because I was like, it, it just didn't get to the point of what I wanted it to be, and then I was going to do another one and didn't do it. But there was, you know, there's that. Then I just found when I was doing YouTube, and I, had, I haven't done a lot of it, but I struggle with the, the playback, like watching myself on camera and having, having to edit myself. I yeah. can't watch myself. So, Absolutely. I mean, we there are a lot of struggles. What do you talk what do you say to people that have struggles when it comes to blogging and video marketing? You know, it's it's going to be tough. I, I there's no getting around it. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is easy. Um mm -hmm. I remember I just did a video <laughs> recently about one of the first videos I ever did where I was sitting alone, set the camera up and was going to talk to the camera. And I did and I was mortified by it and, and deleted it. And so that is something now of course I try to tell people not to do, but on some level you do need practice in order to make yourself feel a little bit better. And quite frankly, the people that practice the most are the ones that get to their 10th or 20th or 50th take and they're like, you know what? it's good enough. I'm ready to go with this. Because you've gotten so far, you're like, you know what, I'm, I just have to go, I have to run with it. It's not going to get easier. Um, I don't know how many people can relate to this, but as a millennial, I remember having a boombox type of thing as a child and popping blank tapes into that and playing radio show with my sister and hearing my voice back on audio for the first time. I remember that being so like earth-shatteringly horrible. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I hate the way I sound. And of course you always think the other person sounds better than you and they're like, ew, I don't like the way I sound. And it, it's just the fact that you have to get through that growing pain of understanding like, you know what, yep, that's what I sound like. Okay, yep, that's what I look like on camera. How can we make this look better? How can we make this sound better? <laughs> You know, there are ways to fix it, but getting through that initial like, oh, that's what that looks like, it's mm -hmm. okay because everyone has to do it. If you don't get past that, you're going nowhere, especially when you get to a point where you're trying to pump out content. And if something good is happening, you should feel like, I'm going to turn the camera on and run with this. If you are too overwhelmed by what does it look like, what does it sound like, I don't know if I'm good enough, it's very hard to do that. Spur of the moment, really valuable stuff that can happen with video, especially with live. I find it so fascinating what what happens when I'll just put it this way: my fiance fortes in live, and I forte in video production. So when he gets on camera to do a YouTube video, he has that same struggle that we're talking about here, watching himself back and editing it. He's never had to deal with that because his focus is on live. So he can get on camera, go live, it's live, there is no editing, you just run with it, and you don't even have to watch it back. 
it's almost like, wow, like I had never thought about that. Now, I struggle sometimes with live because I can sit there and I'm very good at running with content and, you know, this podcast is super easy and fun for me because we're having a conversation. I don't have a lot of inhibitions about it, but the element mm -hmm. of balancing a live audience and engaging them at the same time as delivering content is something that I have a harder time with because I also just don't think that multitasking is a real thing. So I try not to do it. So, right. so it's, that's hard for me because I'm trying to do a really good job of delivering content and a live audience wants to feel like they are live in the moment with me, which means that the content actually is that interactivity. So it's, it's so, there's so many things that cannot be your forte. I'm not good at every aspect of video, but one thing that I know I want to do is execute a video show on YouTube. Therefore, I push through the growing pains of that in order to get it done. And I think that's a lot of times where people struggle the most and they don't even know it is that they're trying to do 17 different things well instead of just one and really owning the one thing and pushing through the hard times of the one thing because if you don't do that you're not going to see the upside of it and if you don't if you try to do it with a million different things you're certainly not going to get very far so I, I, I there's a lot of answers in that question <laughs> the, the reality is you have to push through it. It's not going to get easier. Everyone goes through it, even the people that seem like naturals on camera. I may seem like a natural on camera today, a thousand videos into my career. I was right. not a ham growing up. I was never in front of the camera. I still throw away pictures from my childhood. My mom can't find anything. You know, it, these are not things that I was built for. The, this is talent, and talent can be achieved. I also talk about that in the book because so many people think it's a personality thing. They think it's, oh, she's got a great personality. Oh, she's pretty. Oh, she, it's just so easy for her. This is natural for her. It is not natural to talk mm -hmm. to an electronic device. It is not. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So thank you for thinking it's easy for me. It's practice. It's talent, and you can achieve exactly. it too. Exactly. You know, I experienced this in my own world with my speaking. It doesn't terrify me at all, which is funny to my, my family, because I'm actually an introvert. So it's like, wait, you're an introvert, but you go and you speak in front of people, but it's because I'm prepared. And it's because you I and I are the exact same and people do not understand us. Exactly. And I think going off of that is that we can control the environment. You know, I, when I go on stage, I know exactly what I want to say. I know what next slide's coming up. I know what the end game is. I know how I want people to react. I get people laughing. But in general, in life, I'm an introvert. And so, and, and, and same thing growing up, when I was in theater, I was the shyest kid ever, but it was my way of putting myself out to the world mm -hmm. and being able to interact. So mm -hmm. it's very interesting that a lot of people that are in this capacity are actually very introverted. And oh, introvert, absolutely. I mean, that's a whole different conversation, and we can talk about it, but like on another podcast. Totally, but, but, uh, but like I said, like I said before, there are people that got their start on YouTube because they were lonely in their bedroom. And so mm -hmm. that's a testament to the fact that there are many people using this as an outlet because they may have a harder time talking to humans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but at the same time, that's a vulnerable state that converts to the screen. So that's why the video presence works. So there's, there's, it's not about introvert or extrovert because the reality is it's much easier to be on camera and talk to people than it is to be in front of people and talking to people if you're an introvert. An extrovert mm -hmm. thrives off of being around other people, and an introvert is exerting energy when they're around those other mm -hmm. people. That's the fundamental difference. A camera has nothing to do with that.
It's just getting your message across. So I know you said that's a conversation for another time, but I do think that's a super important distinction and a great point about public speaking because it's the same thing. I never thought I was going to be a speaker, ever, ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. There's there it's an element of control, but it's also just an element of Beyonce versus Sasha Fierce. You just get yeah. up there because it's the job. Mm-hmm. And so like you said, it's a lot of practice. I mean the talent exactly. is there too, but you have to I mean that's how I feel comfortable because I know I like it's a it's a show for me in some ways mm-hmm. where I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna do my performance, I'm gonna educate in this in the same capacity, but practice and talent, there's a balance between. We got way off topic here. Yeah, we did. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, so for those who are thinking of getting started with vlogging, what would you tell them to ex- what they can expect? Well, they can expect it to be hard at first. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, they should expect to just get started with where they are right now. If you are just getting started, do not make yourself go into this whole mindset of, I've got to have the right stuff. I've got to have the right equipment. I've got to have the right this or that. The reality is we have that smartphone in our pocket. And we have no question whatsoever when we're taking a selfie with a friend or if the dog rolls over, we take a video of it. This whole thing can be done with that same, very same device. And I always say prove you need everything else by actually doing the work first. Mm-hmm. I actually have waited to buy equipment because I want to feel the pain of not having it so that when I do finally exert any budget or energy in going and getting that piece of equipment, I know I'm going to use the crap out of it because of how desperately yeah. I know I needed it. It's really great for not, you know, impulse buying too. Really great strategy. But yeah. the reality is that's what most people do is they try to go and exert the, um, what should I say, the vulnerability and the hesitance of video. They try to take it out on the equipment conversation. So don't allow yourself to do that because you can start video right now if you chose to because the likelihood you have a smartphone is very high. Or at the very minimum, you might have a computer that has a webcam on it. And I hope that you can get something better than that, which would be your smartphone camera. But you have something. So you can't make the excuse that you don't. The other thing is, I would say, if you're going to make your first video, it should not be your about page video. A lot of people will not start until it's like an absolute necessity of, oh, we need a video on the about page to talk about who we are and what we do. Mm-hmm. That is the second most visited page on your website, typically. For it to be your first video ever is uncomfortable for everyone. So don't do it. <laughs> Get some That's a great point. Because we have the social networks here, and they will let you create a video in 10 seconds that you should be practicing with before you do that. Exactly. You know, I heard a great tip too, and it's more with live video, but everybody is so nervous to hit that publish and to go live. Mm -hmm. Create a a private Facebook group that nobody else is invited to and go live in there and practice. If that's what you Mm -hmm. need to build the confidence up and, you know, be in a semi-real environment, go there, do it, and then go to your, it's not going to be the same, but it's going to give you some practice as well. That's and a really great point because it at least puts you in the environment you can expect. 
because that's how I am. I like to practice, and I'm more hands-on. So I'm like, wait, how does this work? What happens when I press this button? Oh, I didn't just, like, delete the live video or, yeah. like, hang up in the middle of a sentence. One thing that you had actually said at the Agents of Change conference that stood out to me, and I still remember it, is that you said your first video is going to suck. Like, there's yeah. no doubt about it. There's going to be, it's not going to be the expectation because you need the practice. So not doing your about video <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Don't do that. It, just, just start practicing, and that means allowing yourself to post in other ways before it's like that critical big video. That's, that's a big mm -hmm. one. The last thing I would say in terms of getting started is this. You can create content that's valuable to both your audience and for you without kicking it off with an elevator pitch. And so this is what I call loyalty treatment. Loyalty treatment is treating anyone that clicks play on your video like they've been watching you for years. Like you've got tons and tons of archives, like they know you well. Also, like, hey, this is if this is really a coffee meeting with one person, which is what a great video feels like, then you're going to coffee with a friend, a very good friend. If you're going to coffee with a very good friend, would you walk into that and say, hi, my name is Amy. I have a website. It's called Savvy Sexy Social, and I talk about how to get the most out of this life. It's proactive lifestyle. It's social media tips. It's this. You would mm -hmm. never do that. Your best friend right. would look at you like you're a crazy person. So <laughs> loyalty treatment means kicking off that video like you both have known each other forever. And so I find that that's what holds people up quite a bit in terms of watching a video back of themselves that they actually enjoy. Because this also reverts to another problem of maybe not knowing how to talk about yourself very well in the first place. Mm -hmm. But if a content is truly serving, a piece of content is truly serving its purpose, it's not a, pay, a place for your elevator pitch. It's a place to provide value. So dive straight into whatever the purpose of that video is. If the purpose of the video is to let people know how to bake a cake, then say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. It's time to bake a cake. Here we go. Get started. That's going to set the tone for a really much more positive video for you to watch back and feel good about potentially posting than if you watched yourself painfully explain who you are, what you do, why it matters to them, except for it doesn't, <clears throat> because they came here to watch you how to learn how to bake a cake. <laughs> and then you're talking about yourself for a minute and a half to two minutes, you lost them. So loyalty treatment is a big one, and I think it helps people kind of break down that barrier of getting started because they don't have to go through this awkward moment at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And if somebody gets through that video, they learn how to bake a cake, and now you want them to go buy your cookbook, you get them to the end of that video and they're still there, guess what? This is a great time to start talking about who you are, who they just learned from, why you have credibility, and what they should do next. And that's when that, that call to action, which is what your elevator pitch really is, is that's where it belongs. It's at the end of that video. Right, right. So is there any tips that you have in preparation and planning of a video? Yes, lots of them. Uh, I think the biggest thing is this. You have to kind of decide what type of video personality you're going to be. There are some people who need a teleprompter of some kind or, or a script. And I don't advise that, but there are people that are so paralyzed without it that um, it's a requirement, which is fine. So if that's the case, then there's some practice that goes into that. Because reading and looking at a lens at the same time is not possible. 
So learning how to balance those two things needs to be done. So there's a lot of practice that goes into that. So the flip side is if you if you trust me when I say I would prefer you didn't go that route and, and you actually try to talk to a camera like it's a person. It is simply a vehicle for your message. So with that being said, the preparation that I would advise is, you know, just, just like Janine said a little bit ago, you know, oh crap, we kind of got off topic here. I always have a bullet point list of things that need to be said or get done or be accomplished in a video so that I make sure that that happens. But it's not going to be the only thing I look at because I'm going to be looking at the lens of the camera the entire time. I want to let myself kind of go into a tangent a little bit and be real because if you were sitting here with me, I would be doing just that. But I got to be able to get back on track and I have to make sure that all the points that I need to hit get hit. So I always have sort of a bullet point guide of what do I need to make sure happens in this video so that I do that. So that's one thing I would say to prepare. Also, always, 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 especially if you're just getting started and you're not quite sure what, how it looks to frame your video or are you, is your whole body in there, did you cut your head off, always, always, always record a mock clip before you record the real thing. I've had so many clients say, like, oh, crap, I cut my head off in this video, but I'm still going to post it. And I'm like, well, I'm glad you feel so confident about it, so let's roll with it. But I, w I wish you would have just checked to make sure right. that you were in frame because um, there's a lot of different ways to do this. I also advise that before, if this video is such a big deal, you really want to make sure you're happy with it for all the other reasons other than the fact that you're going to be super critical of yourself. So not only record that sort of, like, quick clip, but look at it on a computer or at least on a larger screen so you can really see everything that's in frame. Um, just make sure that you're, that you're doing it the way you want to and not like, oh crap, the cat was licking herself in the background and I wish that wouldn't have been there, you know, right. <laughs> for those of us right. who film the home office. So <laughs> that's, that's something I would advise. A lot of people don't check the frame of their video and they're working with a smartphone which doesn't allow you to look at it at the same time that you're sitting in frame. Um, and for those of us who film on our own, that's a big deal. Awesome. So much great advice. So and I'm sure that you have oodles and oodles of advice in your book. So let's talk a little bit about that. So the book Sweet. is called Blog Like a Boss, How to Kill It Online with Video Blogging. Let's, why did you decide to write this book? This was important for me because I've been teaching this for a long time. I've been teaching video blogging since 2010. And I had never really put it in sort of a comprehensive guide. It also never occurred to me since I make videos to write a book. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. that's different. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't I be making a movie? Uh, but that's <laughs> essentially the concept was every time I walk off stage or every time I make a video, pretty much at least once I get the comment of, where's your book? Can I buy your book? And I've not actually made the time to write a book because I've been so busy making videos. <laughs> so rather than rather than make everybody co sort of comb through my 650 plus video YouTube channel or my extensive website, um, that was why I wanted to write the book. I just wanted to make it easier for people to get this information. And it was really important to me to get the word vlog out there, a word that is kind of popping up more but it's going to be—it's going to be so much more important in the coming years, especially in 2017, because we are actually seeing it pop up in so many new ways. You know, the reason why platforms like Snapchat 
hit it big are because they basically gave the average user the ability to jump cut like a vlogger that's been on YouTube since 2006. If you want to make a video that keeps people's attention, it moves quickly, which is why you know Snapchat stories and now Instagram stories, you only can record a clip for 10 seconds. It forces you to do something different in the next moment. It forces you to be quick. It forces you to not, you know, go into an elevator pitch first and then and then maybe deliver some value. So that's what I think is so interesting is the vlog has taken so many different shapes and sizes now and I really wanted to get that information out there as to how somebody can best leverage any one of those platforms to do whatever makes sense for them for a vlog. Yeah, and in 2016, I mean, we just saw such a huge push and shift even more than before towards video. It's just mm -hmm. amazing how every single platform is, I mean, Facebook with their Facebook Live and then, um, and then with all that they're doing with Instagram and Instagram Live, and I see more people doing live and Instagram stories than actually posting on Instagram now because it's your ability to have like your own little mini TV show or vlog, mm -hmm. like you said, where you can you don't have to think, you don't have to prep, you don't have to do all this like beforehand work. You can just turn on the camera and start talking. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't remember where I read it. I think it might have been. Facebook saying that in 2017, like there, it's just the entire news feed is going to be video, and we see that now with like one of the latest updates, they have their own video news feed that you can click into. So, mm -hmm. being able to get behind video in some way, whether it's vlogging or Snapchat, like you said, or the Instagram stories, this is going to be the expectation because everybody's doing it. And in order to be heard and to connect with your audience, you need to be comfortable in, in that type of environment. Absolutely. So your book I'm, has perfect timing. <laughs> thank you. Well, yes, it is working. I mean, I have been saying every year is the year of video, and, and this year is no different because it's becoming more and more and more important. And it's all about playing the game of, of these social environments. What does the social network want? Because what they want, is likely what their users want, which is why Facebook mm -hmm. is so video focused. So mm -hmm. how do you continue to get that organic reach and how do you continue to get in front of your audience in a way that they want? Well, you, you got to play this video game because this is the whole reason why this is shifting the way it is. It's because this is what the people want. I mean, how many of us are visual learners? We do better seeing something than we do reading how to do something. And, and that's only the beginning. There's so many other reasons why video is going to help make that connection of your brand and how you want to make people feel so they will remember you versus every other medium. So yes, this is, this is a big deal. And no matter what kind of video you are going to create, if you're on camera or not, or somebody else is on camera, or you're not doing a person on camera, all of these different elements of video to be considered, you need to consider it, period. Exactly. I love what you say about playing the game. Because if you do play the game when these platforms shift, now you're going to be served to that audience because Facebook, they like to change rules and, and algorithms like every other day. But when you're doing what they want you to do, they're going to serve you out there to the community. And you've seen that with live video, too. I know we keep going back to live video, but they want more people to do live video. So the more people that do it, they get a, a more of a reach. And now it's just like a snowball. So right. it's great advice. So what can readers expect from this book? 
It is extremely tactical, which is good news. Tactical is my middle name. I'm very good at getting into the weeds about how to get something done. But it's not just about what what does the camera look like, what kind of equipment. We really break down things like what is the strategy of it? What is the brand of your video? So what is your brand and then what is the brand of your video? Because the secret to this whole thing is being shared. Every time we make a piece of content, we want it to be shared. You have to be able to look at something and say, would someone share this? And it's not just because you're in it or you feel an emotional connection to it. Someone else has to feel something about it to share it. So we really break down what is your brand and then what is the brand of your video because the brand of your video is the feeling that someone's going to have inflicted upon them to make them want to share your stuff. So that we talk about that and then we get into the nitty gritty of editorial design, right? So what is your programming? What kind of videos do you want to talk about? But when, you don't want to go look at a camera and have a blank slate every single time and really be floundering to get the next video done because you don't have an idea. You have to outline your strategy and that takes some things like bucketing your content and making sure you have these themes that can keep you going and keep you pushing through getting this video executed. So it's very, very nitty gritty in terms of designing your programming, deciding what kind of video you want to do, deciding the platform you want to use. It's a very YouTube-focused book because that's sort of my origins, but we talk about all the other platforms and why they matter as well, as in addition to collaboration and how you can best get more reach and grow your audience by working with others and what does that look like and all the ways that you can do that. If you want to get started with video, this is the guide to do it. That's what I wanted to accomplish with this book, and so that's what you can expect. Thinking about when I saw you present, it was like, yeah, you got you did such a great job of getting everybody ramped up and excited about video, but then it's like, okay, what do I do now, Amy? So now the book helps them through that. So high pressure, exactly. <laughs> so no more excuses, no more fears. You're going to guide them through from how, like the strategy and how to set it up and connecting with your audience and growing your audience. I love that. And I love that you have all those other aspects in there as well. So if, if YouTube isn't their thing, if right. and they're more familiar with, I don't know, Instagram or Snapchat, they can go there as well. Absolutely. So where can readers get this book? I would love it if you would go to vloglikeaboss.com. Okay. Perfect, and I will include that link in the show notes for everybody that is listening, so you can just hop on over there and get directed right there as well, if that's easier, and I'm going to include all of your social media channels, so how and where do you want people to connect with you online? You can absolutely follow me pretty much everywhere. My moniker online is Schmitastic, and all the details of my blog and the videos and things like that are at SavvySexySocial.com. Wonderful. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk with the audience and share with them all the ways that blogging can help them connect with their audience, get out there, grow their brands and their businesses if that's what they choose. It's really a great way to let your voice be heard and your personality shine and overcome the fear. It's not hard to overcome the fears. Like you said, that you just have to do it and just right. launch and go. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Janine. This was great. Thank you. I hope you have a great day. Hey, everybody. It's Janine here with J.O.'s Take on this podcast interview with Amy from Savvy Sexy Social. As you can tell, when I saw her in person, it is very easy to get 
excited and energized about video marketing and video blogging. Amy does a fantastic job on her own channel, and I love that she takes that knowledge and she's putting it into a book format to help others do the same. A few things that stood out to me with this podcast interview with Amy is that she had said, you don't need the tools. You actually have the tools. If you have a smartphone, if you have a video camera on your laptop, you can be vlogging right now. So saying that you don't have the tools or access to them is just an excuse. And I know from my own personal experience with this podcast, in instances where my microphone didn't work, I was able to lean on my iPhone and be able to get the same quality quality audio. Another thing that we talked about is that it's going to take some practice. It's going to take time to get comfortable in front of the camera. And those first recordings aren't going to be great. So if you go in with the bar set very low, you can only improve and impress yourself and eventually get to a point that you're going to feel comfortable with. And Amy said that sometimes she still doesn't feel comfortable with it, but she continues to push through it. And that's something to remember, that there's a lot of insecurities that can arise out of video blogging, especially when you see yourself on camera, when you have to watch the playback, and when you have to watch the editing. But think about the overall goal that you're trying to accomplish. You're trying to connect with your audience, and they don't want perfection. Not that you have to be stumbling through your words and messing up, but if you stumble here or there, or you make a funny face, it's okay because it makes it more relatable. The term that Amy used was personal connection, and it just makes you more relatable to your audience and is going to be better for you in the long term. And finally, I love what she said about don't record your about video first. Give yourself some time to get comfortable with video blogging and don't try to struggle through it because you're probably going to quit before you even continue. So get some video content, plan it out. What's the call to action? What are you trying to accomplish? Give yourself bullet points. If you have to script it, that's fine, but try and make it really relatable and personal and just hit launch or publish. And then when you've gotten a few under your belt, Think about that about video. Think about what you've learned, the best practices that you can implement because that's where you're going to sell yourself. And one last thing that I love that she said is think about just having coffee with your audience. You know, you're talking to a person, not a camera. So if you were to go and meet with your friend for coffee, you wouldn't give a big, crazy introduction. You would get right to the point. So think of your audience in that way. And hopefully this is going to make video and vlogging a lot easier for you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes to get all of the links that Amy shared and go buy her book, send her some social media love, and have a great day, everybody. 